Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Experts podcast. If you're on my email list, I sent an email out a week or two back about my own mindset story, lessons I learned about student mindset from my own times as a student and a scholar. I thought this story was rich enough with practical insights to merit turning into a little podcast episode all of its own, uh, both to help the story and its lessons reach more people. And even if you've read the email already. It was quite a dense uh, set of lessons. I think there's an awful lot to take from it. Uh, So even if you caught it, uh, maybe you sort of skimmed through it, didn't quite read everything. Uh, It's often the way with longer emails, isn't it? I think it's well worth taking the time today to listen uh, through the story properly uh, to take on all the advice that's relevant to you. There's a lot to unpack uh, and excited to get into that in a moment. Besides, some of the most popular episodes of the show uh, that I've ever done have been those where I've dissected lessons I've learned from various aspects of my own student experience. So I think you'll enjoy what's coming up today. Just before I get to my story, let me start with a quick introductory word on where I see mindset fitting into the overall picture of your study system. So if I were to draw out a pyramid of steps to success in your studies, and you sort of visualise a little pyramid in your head, you might have uh, lower layers, or maybe kind of middle layers of the pyramid, representing things like your skills in productivity, time management strategies, planning your routine. Um, if you've got exams to learn for, you'll also have layers under the pyramid for, uh, you'll have a layer for kind of your effective learning strategy, how you go about actually learning your stuff. Uh, You'll have another layer for kind of exam technique, what you actually do in the exam hall uh, to make sure you maximise your mark. Uh, And on the other hand, if you're a a research student, there could be a layer representing your your research skills um, or or, or, perhaps another representing your your kind of writing skills when it comes to writing up your final thesis slash dissertation slash paper, whatever it is. But Here's the thing. For all of us, I think the bottommost layer of the pyramid, the foundation on which everything else rests, is your mindset. This covers a range of things. So it covers being motivated to work consistently, not being so frenetic as to overwork and exhaust yourself. It covers finding enough focus and calm to get things done, even if you, like most of us, uh, get a little or more than a little anxious about it at times. Uh, It covers having the belief that you can do it, that you can get the results you want, even if the road ahead of you feels challenging. Because if you don't have that belief that it's at least possible that you've at least got a chance, why would you even try? And so much more. I believe we don't spend enough time working on this first and most fundamental layer of our scholar's pyramid, mindset. So to help make all this concrete for you today and give you some practical insights. Uh, It's a very personal thing, but I think there's also lessons we can learn from each other. So let me open up to you on my own mindset journey as a scholar and perhaps some of the lessons that might be relevant to you in the sorts of challenges you're facing in your own journey. I'm going to highlight uh, three moments along my journey in particular, uh, representing different stages, different challenges and different impacts that they had, and of course, different lessons that you learn from each. The first moment 
is back in my uh, kind of school years. So I sort of um, even pre-teens, but certainly uh, into, into kind of early teenage years. Uh, so it's relatively, relatively young, um, certainly younger than most, most of our listeners. Um, and it was the classic procrastination and lack of self-discipline. So, you know, the challenge here was, was putting off my homework, my assignments to later in the evening, uh, with the very familiar impact, uh, I'm sure, to, to many of you that I ended up rushing the work, uh, not doing it as well as I could. Um, and also, I think, worst of all, like, I never had any real, like, I never had so much like good quality free time because I always had this kind of incomplete work hanging over me, uh, which was ridiculous, of course, because I was so young, like it wouldn't have taken me that long to get through my homework. Like I didn't have so much that it was taking me all night. I could have just got it done quickly and, and then had the rest of the evening to myself. So in the grand scheme of things, this was a relatively minor complaint. Um, I was lucky. I managed to get a grip on this pretty quickly, um, such that kind of as I got through early into mid-teenage years, I became pretty conscientious and, and that kind of attitude stuck with me uh, really for the rest of my life so far. Um, that said, I'm still not immune to procrastination, even to this day, uh, especially when tasks are particularly aversive. Um, do my tax return has been sitting on my to-do list for many months now and I, I should really get around to it. Um, uh, not due until the end of January, but you know, I should, anyone that's ever got a tax return to, to fill in, I'm sure you sympathise, um, and, and I'm sure you have uh, similar tasks that have been kind of lurking around on your to do list, just because you've been putting them off. They're not they're not super super urgent. Uh, you need to get them done, but they're not the most enjoyable tasks in the world, so you you kind of put them off and procrastinate on them. Um, The second moment I wanted to touch on is exam nerves. So this was kicking in uh, kind of as I got into later teenage years and we're taking kind of major exams uh, towards the end of uh, school days. So here in the UK, the big school exams you take are GCSEs, age kind of 16, and then A-levels, aged around 18. Um, So for my A-levels in particular, uh, I think GCSEs too, actually. So so both of these sets of exams, I remember getting getting pretty nervous ahead of exams. You know, they they, they meant a lot to me at the time. I was keen to do well. Um, And sometimes, particularly for exams that I was feeling less prepared on, was more worried about. To start with, my approach was to work later the night before the exam, trying to get some last minute, you know, reading and preparation done, Um, which, of course, wasn't a good idea in the grand scheme of things because it then meant I split badly because I was anxious and I had all that course content and my you know worries about it running around my head uh, so I didn't get such a good night's sleep ahead of the the big exam now in the grand scheme of things this was a kind of minor to moderate uh, issue again so so maybe slightly more significant than the, the procrastination thing um but again I managed to learn my lesson relatively quickly uh began practicing better sleep hygiene after one or two rounds of this experience of working late and then you know being nervous and not sleeping very well um and in particular what really made the difference for me was stopping work well before bed uh, having a really good wind down routine uh, so so stopping work plenty of time to, to to kind of relax have a bath do some reading uh watch a little bit of relaxing nature documentary tv um and i ended up doing really well in in school exams so so um so much so in fact that i started to uh write about uh, exam strategies uh and, and i started writing a little book about uh how to prepare for your exams uh and and the first things i was writing about was how to get a good night's sleep before exams uh, um that document uh started by kind of 15 year old me uh floated around on my my 
computer hard drive for the next 10 years. And eventually I turned it into something I was quite proud of and, and turned it into, and that eventually saw the light of day in the form of Outsmart Your Exams, my uh, book all about exam technique and, and strategies for exam week and in the exam hall itself. Um, I'm very glad the version that 15-year-old me was working on didn't ever really see the light of day. Uh, it needed a lot of work <laughs> um, before it turned into something that actually I'm now very proud of. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm really, really happy. That book's been out for, gosh, nearly five years now uh, and uh, sold many, many hundreds, I think possibly thousands now copies. Uh, and I'm really excited to, to have all those those ideas out into the world. But that was the, that was the start of it. Little 15-year-old me, um, you know, struggling with sleep and, and, and kind of other things around exams and, and kind of writing down some tips that I thought might help others. So yeah, that was where that was where it all started, folks. Um, which brings me on to the third moment I wanted to touch on. So we've done the first one, sort of procrastination as a younger student, the, the second one, the kind of exam nerves in my kind of mid-teenage years for those big school exams. Um, as I say, the school exams went pretty well. Um, managed to get myself a place at Cambridge University off the back of some some pretty good uh, school grades. Um, and uh, first year at university was a, a tough year for me. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, and this is kind of my third moment. Um, this is by far the most complex of the three. Um, and it was a kind of a, a whole inter, a bunch of like interrelated things that kind of all happened at once um, and, and contributed to, to, to some challenges. So those things included like lack of self-belief, not embracing challenge, uh, poor self-development skills, not asking for help, and and they all kind of uh, they all kind of worked together to create some 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 challenges. Uh, in, as I say, in my first year in particular. I was to later specialise as a as a psychologist, um, but in my first year at Cambridge, as a, a scientist of any discipline, uh, you're allowed to take a, quite a wide range of different courses. So I was also taking physics, um, as well as choosing the most advanced maths course that's open to non-math specialists. Um, and I found university level physics and maths uh, very difficult. And in hindsight, as I break it down, there's a kind of whole cluster of the mindset issues which contributed to uh, having the, the challenges I had. So I need to break this one down a little bit more. So I, I, I need, there's kind of several sub things. I think there's, there's, there's four or five kind of separate things um, that I kind of want to break down and kind of tackle in turn. So I'm going to count them in from five through to one, uh, count them down from five through to one in kind of a rough order of importance. Though in truth, I, there's not much to choose between these five things. I think they're all pretty important. Uh, so I've kind of roughly ordered them in order of importance, but uh, I think they're each each of them uh, had its role to play. I think each of them was was pretty important, a pretty important factor. Um, my conclusion, uh, just to kind of uh, spoiler alert, jump the gun a little bit. I think my conclusion is that if I had sorted out even just maybe three of these five things, but certainly if I'd got all five sorted, um, I could have made uh, a huge, huge amount more progress in that first year on those challenging courses. I think I could have had a very different first year as a result. The the impact on my life at the time was, I'd say, reasonably significant. Um, I stuck with these courses for the full year. I stuck the year out. Uh, I took the final exams at the end. I did okay in the exams. It wasn't great, um, but it was it was kind of just about kind of acceptable, you know, mediocre. Um, it, it was okay, um, but I'd had a, I'd not enjoyed it at all. Like, it's been pretty challenging and I'd, I'd not enjoyed my time on those courses. And, uh, you know, I think that had spilled over to my enjoyment generally of my time at university, particularly in that first year. 
Um, so you know, there's a huge, uh, you know, reasonably significant impact uh, from uh, from the from from these kind of difficulties uh, in in the grand scheme of things. So uh, let me count down the the kind of five specific things that uh, I kind of look back on, and I think the, you know these are the issues and and what I learned from them, and, and moreover, what you can take from each of them. So in at number five is lack of self belief. I was finding the subjects difficult and I didn't have confidence in my ability to get better at them. And because I lacked that hope that things could get better for me, I didn't try to make things better. My goal was simply to get through each week's assignments, uh, you know, to, to kind of come through unscathed without getting into trouble, I suppose. And um, not, certainly not having a goal of truly understanding the course material of that week. And um, so my belief that I wasn't going to get any better kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy. This may have been linked uh, a little bit to imposter syndrome, just in not not serious, not not in a kind of a severe way, um, but in a just a kind of a light way. Um, on some level, I didn't believe that I was good enough to be at Cambridge. Um, I suspect my attitude might have been different for the better if I'd been at a different university. Um, if I didn't believe I was at such a prestigious university, I might have had that belief that oh, actually, I should be able to do this stuff, and I might have kind of approached it in a, my attitude might have been whole, a whole load different um, and I might have grappled with the with the material a little bit more uh, and, and perhaps made a bit more progress with the, the course material than I uh, ended up doing. This is linked to area number four which is not embracing challenge. So I believe that you can choose to embrace stretching circumstances as an opportunity to grow. It may be tough, but you experience that difficulty and you train yourself to embrace it, much as elite athletes embrace pushing themselves hard every single day in their training. And often when you kind of unpack elite athlete stories, that's one of the things that makes them elite athletes. They kind of, you know, they, they kind of their ability to push through that pain barrier that other people can't and, and, and do a harder, longer, you know, a faster, um, more intense workout than a- anyone else can. That's why they improve more than each every other people each day in their training and that's why they end up you know being the best in the world in their in their discipline so this idea that you can kind of push through the difficulty and sort of train yourself to embrace it and kind of see it as if not you know possibly even you know possibly even fun you know it's it's fun to kind of wrestle with those challenges particularly if you can start to make some progress at the end of it but i hadn't developed any of those mentalities at the time uh so when things got got very challenging uh i i I sort of shied away from it and uh, i didn't embrace that challenge in at number three is poor self-care and energy management so if, as the exam success coach that I am today, I had sat down with my uh, kind of 19, 20-year-old self while I was taking these courses, while I was having these challenges, I would have quickly discovered two very specific, very concrete, very practical things that were setting me up to have a difficult time. The first of these was the fact that the lectures for both maths and physics were at 9am. My other courses were later in the morning. And at 9am, because I'd habitually stayed up till past midnight... Uh, in those 9am lectures, first thing in the morning, I was still half asleep a lot of the time. So I may have got my body to physically sat, sit there in the lecture hall and it was it was there, but my mind was not present for a good chunk of the time because it hadn't really woken up yet and I kind of dozed off or you know, zoned out of the, the lecture. So the solution in, is obvious in hindsight. Sort out my routine so I could get to bed at a reasonable time so I was awake and alert for the lectures. 
Uh, in at number two is the other way that I was setting myself up for failure on a kind of practical, you know, organising my time level. Um, and this was through my way, the way I've planned my study routine and the way I kind of allocated my time to different tasks. So again, with the benefits of hindsight, I now see that I never had enough time to struggle with my weekly assignments. I had allowed myself to time to do the assignment, which probably would have been adequate time if I hadn't got stuck. But I did get stuck. I, I always got stuck. And the thing is, if I'd had the resource of extra time available to sit and struggle and wrestle with the problems and, and try and figure it out, maybe kind of look for some uh, su support online, like similar problems online, or, or kind of really, really, you know, dig a lot deeper than I did into the, the worked examples that had already been presented in the lecture. If I'd had that resource of the extra time to struggle and to sit and wrestle and to, you know, ultimately try and make a bit of progress, I might have actually been able to get somewhere. I think that one alone could have made such a difference. But not, I think, as much as the final one, number one, which kind of brings it all together. Um, number one is the number one thing I think that I should have done differently was my attitude towards asking for help. Because I didn't have these answers at the time. <laughs> but there is a way I could have found them, or at least some of them. And that was through having the courage to seek or ask for help. Uh, Kerry talked about this in our recent episode a couple of weeks ago uh, when we, she was sharing her PhD student story. This idea, you know, you need to have courage to be able to seek and ask for help. And she's so right. And, and sometimes it's not even the first person you ask for help. You know, you might need to ask a few different people, seek a few different sources until you find someone with the right experience and insights to help you move forward. Just to address a little point, I, I think there are probably some of you, at least some of you listening to all this and thinking, well, all of the things I'm saying seem pretty obvious. You know, you might be thinking, well, you know, I could have figured all this out had you been in my shoes. Um, and, and I guess I'd sort of challenge that a little bit, because if it sounds simple to you listening, if I'm making it sound simple, it's because I've had years of breaking study challenges down and laying out the component parts in a clear and simple way so we can figure out a way forward. I'm a fairly smart guy, I think, um, but but none of this that I'm saying was, was obvious to me at the time, especially, you know, in this third area, the kind of university level challenges I was having. You know, I was blind to what was holding me back at the time uh, and I didn't have the answers. Part of that is lack of experience. Um, you know, I've gained vastly more experience at, at kind of coaching now and I'm sort of, I guess I'm applying the same coaching methodology to, to my former self, uh, if, if you like, I'm, I'm you know me in the future day in the present day is sort of coaching past me on the exact challenges I was having at the time if you like <clears throat> and I think the other reason uh, is that sometimes it's just quite difficult to to kind of see uh, you know see yourself from the outside so I've got the diff I've got the benefit of, of kind of hindsight and perspective looking back on those challenges now you know when you're kind of there in the moment it can sometimes be harder to, to kind of see what's going on so just the benefit of kind of having an outside perspective uh, can can be can be quite powerful too but the good news is that I guess that I didn't need to have figured it all out for myself there was another way uh, you know if I could have just cracked this one thing of being able to ask for help and find help in the right place if I'd just been able to crack that one thing, then I could have found all the other answers I'd needed uh, by virtue of asking for help. So we all have areas of our mindset we could use some work on, I think. Um, and this stuff is also very personal. It's unique to everyone. And it also shifts and evolves as we grow and we take on new challenges through our life. 
So having convinced you, I hope, of the power and importance of all this mindset stuff, I'd like to finish with an invitation to you to invest at least some time in levelling up your toolbox of practical mindset skills, strategies uh, and tactics to help you out, help you get unstuck, help you make as much progress in the kind of happiest possible way uh, with your studies. You have, as always, got a couple of options. Uh, So option one is the direct coaching route, working with me one-on-one live over Zoom to discuss your specific challenges, uh, allowing me to coach you through the best ways to unlock biggest progress in your studies, including the all-important mindset elements that we've been highlighting today. You can find out more about coaching and schedule your consultation today at examstudyexpert.com forward slash coaching be a real pleasure to have a chat about how I might be able to help. So don't be afraid to reach out uh, and book some time in the diary uh, for us to get to know each other, have a little chat uh, and uh, discuss perhaps uh, doing some coaching work together. Option two is the self-study route. uh, And my new course, The Scholar's Way, is perfect for that. Uh, At time of broadcasting in November 2023, we're currently in the midst of a live round of The Scholar's Way, uh, which I'm really, really enjoying. Uh, But after that's over, I'll also find a way to make the course available in future as a kind of on-demand, self-paced thing. Uh, So do check out examstudyexpert.com forward slash TSW, as in The Scholar's Way, TSW, for the latest information on how to enrol in The Scholar's Way whenever you're listening to this episode. The Scholar's Way is, like all of my self-study classes, included in my Access All Areas membership pass, the Study Smarter Network. Uh, So that could be a good way to access The Scholar's Way if you're interested in that uh, or any of our other programmes. So once again, uh, that's examstudyexperts.com forward slash coaching for one-on-one support and to schedule a consultation to have a bit of a chat about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Or uh, for the latest on how to enrol in the Scholar's Way after the current live round, head over to examstudyexpert.com forward slash TSW. It's either forward slash coaching or forward slash TSW. Thank you so much for listening today. Wishing you all the best on your mindset journey and wishing you every success as always in your studies.